like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here with Heather Shoemaker. Heather, we've got another guest in our Zoom podcast studio. Who's with us? What are we talking about? Yeah, I'm glad we have Ty Schmidt here today. He is the director of Norte, which is a nonprofit right here in my hometown of Traverse City, Michigan. Welcome, Ty. Hi, thanks, Heather. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Could you start off by um, telling people who don't know anything about Norte, um, what it is and what it is you do. Yeah, so Norte is a, a small uh, but mighty organization here in, in Traverse City that I founded back in 2013 with, with my wife, Johanna, uh, really with no intention of, of it growing into what it is today, but basically uh, to help neighborhood kids uh, bike to their neighborhood school. The simple idea of, of bike trains um, is is how it started. We've since grown over the years. I'm, I'm a physical therapist by training uh, and have left my job uh, to run uh, Norte full-time. And, and we are now uh, in advocacy. We're in education where we have the largest youth mountain bike team in the state of Michigan. Um, and, and we're just really trying to seize this opportunity provided by, by, the, by the coronavirus, by COVID, to double down on, on health and access and connection. Yeah, so um, just... Listeners might find this interesting. Um, Ty and I bumped into each other, I think, in a in a school gym when we both had little tots and we were um, looking after little ones. Um, and I, I drafted Ty into being a test reader for an early chapter of the book, It's Okay Not to Share. So thank you, Ty. Um, it was fun because the first version of the book that I wrote was really preachy and boring and dry. And Ty was one of those people who said, you know what? I don't have any time. I don't have time to read. I need it short and snappy and chatty. And, um, and so that really helped. And he, I think you had time to read one chapter and that was so helpful because it got the tone that a lot of people have been enjoying. I remember that. And I, and I was thinking about that as I was, as I was biking over here to the office and I I thought we met at the library during um, storybook time, but you're right. It was at one of those, it's one of the way to grow um, meetups. And now like you're famous and stuff, so. Well, so are you. Um, So what I wanted to really get at was um, you mentioned that, that your nonprofit has really got this idea of getting kids to bike or, or sometimes walk to their local school. How has the culture changed? I mean, that used to just happen all the time. What's what's going on, and, and why aren't kids biking to school? That's a, it's a complex uh, question with a complex answer. But you're right. You know, in the '50s and '60s, half of our kids would walk to, to school. 
uh, now uh, nationwide, it's it's you know five, six, seven percent of of kids. Um, and there's many reasons. I mean, lots of reasons. And I and I think about this a lot. And and from uh, school of choice and open enrollment and suburbia and cheap gas and fear culture and safety issues. Um, I, I am a firm believer though, that if, if there's one thing to do with your bicycle is, is to ride it to school. And, and that's why I really started Norte because I was blown away by the, by what was going on at my kid's neighborhood school when he went to kindergarten, you know, and you know, this is a neighborhood school and I would bike him there and, and I would sit there on the bench and I would, you know, just watch as this river of cars, you know, it's kind of circled the school like a moat, you know, and hardly any kids walking and fewer biking. And I, I just thought it was strange. And instead of maybe taking the, the traditional route of asking permission or getting on a committee or, you know, we just decided to do something about it. And, and nothing unique is about bike trains. Those happen across the U.S. But, you know, we really uh, try to make it fun and then to spread and give ownership to other families to do the same uh, at their school. All right. So can you explain, because a lot of people have never heard that term, what the heck is a bike train? It's kind of like a bike gang, I guess. Maybe I should start calling it like a bike gang, you know, because bike train sounds, but it's, you know, you got, you got an adult in the front. He's the engine. She, he or she is the engine. And, and, and you got these train of cars behind them. And, and basically, it's a, it's a social way. I mean, it's not just physical activity, which, of course, it is. But the reason why it takes off is that kids kids have fun doing it. And, and they get to chat. They get to talk about usually Minecraft and video games when my boys were younger. But the social aspect of it with these, these trains is, um, is what kept it going. And so families would drop their neighborhood kids off at my, my house uh, I would bike them to school. Johanna would bike them back, um, and that's that's what a bike train is. So anybody can do it. They don't have to live in our town in 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 Michigan. They could, if they have a bike and they know somebody with a bike, you could have a bike train of two kids, right? A hundred percent. And 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 um, it really doesn't. T- obviously, you got to know what you're doing a little bit. You got to know the basics of how to, you know, the bike safety and road rules. But anybody can learn those. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it, there's nothing special about it. You just set a time. You meet us. We're gonna ride, and and just try not to smile. Just try not to have a good time, even when the weather's sometimes crumbing up here in northern Michigan. Um, the kids have a blast, and in turn, I have a blast because and I and I miss my boys are in high school now, and I miss I miss those days. I wanted to ask, is this is a all school year long thing in Michigan or does it ever get too too icy or too cold? Well, Jeff, those are that's one of the things that we've learned along the ways is I grew up in Canada and I feel like part of my soul and my, my culture is to no matter the weather, you know, we're rolling. And um, so we did that the first year and it was a terrible idea. <laughs> it was a bad idea. Uh, so no, it's you know, we, we roll um, you know, September through uh, Thanksgiving here, and then we, we hang them up, and then we transition to what we call Winter Walk Wednesdays, and, and we're fortunate to live in, a, in an amazing place like Northern Michigan that has four seasons to be celebrated. So, um, you know, we just, we, we trade the, the bike for, for snow boots, and we just walk. It's still cool. I dig yeah. it. 
I've, I've been lucky enough to spend some time in, in Australia doing presentations, and I was amazed at how many kids are biking and walking to school there compared to what I see running around the states and and even up into Canada. And and so I guess it's it's kind of a cultural thing because over there a lot of those communities are are set up to make it easier for for kids to to ride their bikes or walk to school uh here in iowa where i live they, for the last 20 years they've been building new elementary schools which were were greatly needed but they're they're replacing two schools with one school and so the distance is becoming greater and it's they're creating these it they're, they're making it hard for children and families to support walking and biking do you see that in other places or am i just unlucky to live in the wrong place no, that's and then that's that's exactly what's happening here as well, and I believe it's exactly what's happening across the U.S. and the idea of of you know, I mean, it goes down to school funding. I mean, it just gets complex, and and all these different issues about you know where schools build and how they collect money to build schools and um, uh, you know bigger schools you know out in the suburbia because the land is cheap. Um, uh, but you're right to the point of, of culture, and, and, and again, you know, here in Michigan, the big three legacy is strong, right, and you have to um, tread lightly, I guess, and instead of preaching and, you know, criticizing, you know, we, our role here is, is to make visible, you know, uh, what's possible, I guess, mm -hmm. right, and, and sometimes getting out of our comfort zone, building resiliency in kid that, you know, even on the sunny, I mean, even on the rainy, cloudy days it's still it's still fun and i think they they're up to that challenge a lot of the times and i think that builds character and it's it's why i moved to michigan right i mean it's just it's, it's not always easy and that's that's fine yeah and ty you said you know to make visible that it's fun also you guys are really visible because they chose as their color is orange and so there's, you see around town a lot of orange you see kids wearing orange shirts you see the orange clubhouse you see it's very uh visible um and i think making it visible and making it fun it, is it it's huge because you see it every day if, when you live around town now that that was that was on purpose, you know, and I kind of like how we we get to make our mission, our vision, visible, and I and that means lots of things. But the color orange just signifies change, right? That's why you know orange and creativity and joy and all the things that come along with different colors. But and don't run know, over me. And don't run over me, right? You know, you actually get to see it, and um, but. And I think with a lot of these things that are happening, again, the, the, the walk-bike movement, uh, transportation equity, you know, getting kids off the couch, off the screen, empowering them to know, like, where they're going, like, you know, which way is north and where's the school and how do I get back to the park? And, you know, all of these cognitive, um, uh, you know, benefits that come with just actively getting themselves around. Because ultimately, I want Norte just to go away and I don't, I'm not going to leave another bike train again the rest of my life but these kids will know it's just normal and 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 that's what i think the vision um you know i i, I hope that you know before i get too old here that that's what happens so um i wondered because you said over time you've added advocacy um and i know there's a lot of new sidewalks and things going into our city so can you talk about uh, you know it's a complex set of set of barriers but what are some of the things that 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 you see that you can try to do to make it easier for kids to walk or kids to to bike or even people of other ages. Yeah. 
and I and I realized early on that you can't just wave your hands and be a cheerleader and say you know walk or bike to school kids you know when it's really not safe to do so and and I think it was a little disingenuous um, and and when I looked around our small little community that's that for the most part is pretty walkable right but there were aspects of our town which was you know very affluent and then maybe not so affluent in, in a neighborhood just south of in, in Traverse City and you know and, and I looked around and it's like who's you know who's taking a stand on this right you know why why does one neighborhood get sidewalks and the other doesn't and that and that idea of equity and um and, and, and how things happen I guess I always thought it was like oh you need some special you know planner or engineering degree or some sort of you need to be a mayor you know to advocate for change but really the change is the domain of all of us right and and ordinary people speaking up on behalf of their neighborhood and so here in our little town you know in a, in a small little neighborhood we're investing four and a half million dollars to, to connect uh you know sidewalks in, a, in an underserved neighborhood that's anchored by an amazing elementary school right and we didn't nobody is like nobody knew what they were doing you know we did it you know but we, we kind of stopped asking and started demanding i guess and um so I'm very proud of that. You know, we're about to also have a $2 million investment in the 10 area schools. So, you know, North is moving away or trying to at least uh, take serious the idea of access and connection and, and what is a role as a nonprofit, you know, like, cause it's, it's, I'll tell you, Heather, it's, it's easier to not be an advocate organization. <laughs> it's easier to just do bike trains, but, um, you know, we, you know, we're committed to doing the hard things, I guess. And, and inspired by all this other stuff that's going on across the country. I mean, this nothing's unique about Norte and nothing's unique about Traverse City. Yeah, so what are you seeing as far as trends and, and similar community groups like yours around the country trying to take down some of the barriers and, and restore a sense of access and freedom for, for people of all ages, especially kids who can't drive? I mean, and, and that's what I, I, I'm inspired every day and, and you know, I see it in other communities in Michigan. I see it in other communities like, you know, like the, the go-to gold standards of Minneapolis and Portland and, and all of these places, even though they might be big cities, right? I mean, Traverse City is only 15,000 people, so it's not a very large um, town, but it is, uh, you know, it is part of my life's work. You know, as a physical therapist, I just got so frustrated dealing with sedentary lifestyles and you know, and it's no fault to their own. They just, they, it's like by design, right? We, we de we've designed our lives and stripped movement and mobility out of our lives by prioritizing cars. And I tried, don't get me on this. I don't want to preach about cars too much, but it, it, it is, uh, I think how we get around uh, dictates how we live. And that as kids, they can learn these skills of independence and confidence early, like in preschool. And, um, And that's what, you know, and that's the case that we try to make when we try to sell the, the mission. Hey, listeners, Ty is so influential that he mentioned sedentary lifestyles and Heather stood up to podcast. So you're not going to see the video feed when you when you hear this episode, but that actually just literally happened over recording. That's pretty cool. That's an influential dude right there. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, but it's a big problem for writers because we do tend to sit while we write. So actually part of my writing process is going on long walks or in the winter to go on long cross country skis because otherwise my brain turns to mush and I cannot do anything, let alone I'm sure what my body is doing. Um, so can you talk about that side? I mean, obviously as a middle-aged writer, I know that I have to incorporate exercise in part of my day, but what does it do to a child's brain to go from car to chair in school versus a kid who at least gets a few minutes of biking or walking before they arrive at the school doors? Well, how does it change once they get there? And no matter, no, no matter the age of your brain, Heather, you know, it's neuroscience and we know that movement turns brains on. And whether it's creativity or attention or cognitive skills, um, you know, and you don't need to, you know, you don't need to look at a research paper to know that. Just, you know, let, let a kid get the wiggles out for 10 minutes before he goes to the class. And it's, it's very apparent, right? And they're able to sit, they're able to concentrate, they're able to follow instructions. And when I went around to our different schools and, and make the case, you know, to principals about why this is important, right? You know, and, and the, making the case about academic success and that these kids arrive ready to learn is is the message that resonated the most versus i mean you can sell it on so many topics like the environment or you know you know health or you know social co cohesion um, but there is so much science on on movement and 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 the brain as humans we're designed to move and um, and what better way even if it's just five minutes and families, I mean, there's so many reasons why, I mean, there's a lot of, I don't want to say the word excuses, but there's lots of reasons why I say a family can't, you know, walk or bike to school because really like a small percentage of them live anywhere, you know, within a mile of their school. Right. So a lot of these families come from all over the place, but you know, we do something called park and stroll. So I don't even care where it is. Even if it's just five minutes, you're going to park and walk five minutes with your child without your phone in your face and talk about stuff and get the wiggles out and you're both going to be so much better off for it like and i try to do that in a not so preachy way and that's hard sometimes um but just you know just go to any one of your schools and just watch that interaction between a mom or a dad and their son as they move together like yeah. i love that i love well, that we lived um, very near our childhood elementary school and what would be interesting, there's a bunch of woods. Um, this is Ashton Park, Ty, where you know. I love Ashton Park. For those Park. of you who have never been to Ashton Park, which has big, beautiful hemlock trees and all sorts of, it's, it's basically a city block turned into a woods. And the school's on the other side of it. There's a huge car line going to the school. We happen to live on the opposite side of the woods. So we walked through the woods to get to school, which was a very nice ritual as part of the day. But most people didn't live on our little block. So they, um, I started to see a lot more people park on our street, get out of their cars and just take, it was about five minutes. If you, if, you, if you really stop and pick up every hemlock cone and every stick, it could take 15 or 20 minutes, but it was a short walk, but it changed the atmosphere because not only was it a walk, but it was a walk through nature, which also changes the brain chemistry too. So I am, I am seeing more families do that and say, oh, I could park where it's really crowded and I have to wait in the car line, or I could park a block or two away and have a little stroll with my child or can we dare mention it? Let the child walk all by themselves. <gasps> Heresy. 
<laughs> Do you have any thoughts on that one, Ty? Well, that is that is the ultimate goal, right? To 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 design a system where every you know, and I and I'll be I I've, I've seen kindergartners, you know, five six year olds, independently get themselves across the street using a crosswalk. Um, that that's what winning looks like, right? Confident, independent, knowledgeable kids who know where they're going, and 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 where mom isn't stressed out about their safety or dad isn't stressed out that everybody's looking out for each other uh, and cars aren't going 45 miles an hour down a, down a neighborhood street. So when I, when I paint a picture of, of what winning looks like for Norte, that's, that's what it is. You know, eight-year-old biking herself to the library or an eight-year-old walking himself to school. Yeah. Is that possible? I don't know. It is possible. I, I remember the funny looks I got when I put my nine-year-old on the public bus in Traverse City um, because he had a bus pass because he rode the public bus to school every day because our school is pretty far away. But then in the summertime, they had cool summer camps for kids and I just stick him on the bus and off he'd go and you know make transfers as needed and get across town because he had, the, he had a map. He knew where the bus went and he was comfortable and familiar since he'd ridden the bus a lot. Um, it's not quite the same as being out in the outdoor fresh air, but it's that sense of my town belongs to me and I'm a capable person who can move through it. I know which way is north, as you said, which is really easy in our town because north is where the Great Lake is. There's a bunch of water. If you go too far north, you get wet. Um, so some towns is a little harder to tell where you're going. But I love that sense of um, independence that comes from embracing this is my world and I know how to get around in it in a safe way. And I know... I know what to do. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, and transit is the solution. And we have a summer bike camp and part of one of the days with summer bike camp is we teach the kids how to use, because we have, we here, we're fortunate enough to have a free, you know, a free bike route that goes east, west in our town. And, and like, it's amazing like this, you know, like, here's how you do it kids. And, it, and I don't know how you feel. Like if you ever go to a big city, it's kind of stressful. Like how do I do this in subways and buses? But, but it, ultimately, no matter what it is, you know, because kids obviously can't drive um, themselves yet, but, but independence in how they get around um, and teaching them the skills to be active for life, I think. And that's, you know, no, if I grew up playing all the traditional sports, all of them, and now I play zero. Um, but I'm more active than ever because I know how to, you know, I know that my body can get me places. And I've made some choices early on to, to live, you know, in town, right? I mean, and no offense to people who choose to live in, live in the woods, but um, that independence uh, critical. So yeah, that grants parents, you a different level of independence. Go ahead, Jeff. What do, What do parents think about this? I mean, culturally, when you're when you're you're making the sales pitch, do you get parents? It is a, I mean, there's there's lots of reasons not to embrace this. But what do, what do parents tend to think? Um, does it take them a while to evolve into being supportive of this? Is it something that's uh, totally totally alien to them? Where uh, probably a variety of things. But what are your what are your experiences with 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 pitching it to parents? I, I think it is it is a variety of 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 issues, and and obviously no family is is the same, and every family is has their own things. And that's why I try to address this with a sense of empathy and put myself in their shoes and that I can't, I don't know what's going on with them. Yeah. You know, but that said, you know, 
I get to sell, you know, like you will be better off for it. Your kid will be better off for it. Your community will be better off for it. If say one day a week, you make a choice to drive less, right. Or to do something maybe that's not so easy, like driving and parking and, you know, three feet from the front door, you know, um, but those are ultimately our choices as parents, you know, to provide opportunities of what it means to live. I mean, I just, I just, and, and I, I, I'm sensitive because I, I feel like sometimes I get preachy and I don't want to get, yeah. well, you know, I don't, I don't want to preach. You know, um, about a year and a half ago, my wife and I made the decision that we were going to start driving less because when, when I'd be on the road doing speaking gigs, uh, we'd end up in the downtown metro area of a community and we walk from the hotel to the restaurant and, and, and really enjoyed walking around communities. And, and we thought, why, why aren't we doing that at home? And so we made the decision start, to start doing that. And the response I've had from people is like, 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 why? Why would, why would you walk? Why would you walk three quarters of a mile to the grocery store and, and carry groceries back in a backpack when you, could, when you could drive? And I'm like, well, because it's hard, because it's a little bit uncomfortable, and I feel better doing it. And it's, it's, it's so I think there's this, there's this idea kind of, and I don't know, maybe it's just an Iowa thing, but there's a, a America, got to drive um, kind of mindset in a lot of things. And I, I just think it's kind of, kind of weird when, when people push back against being physically active. Mm-hmm. And you don't even live in Michigan. Talk about a car culture. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, um, Ty, I don't know if you know this, but I, I didn't actually own a car till I was about 30. So I got around in my young adult days with only bicycles and certainly um, I did put them away in winter and and either walk or or take the bus but yeah I was a a non-car all the way Um, and some of the I had my own personal bike train once I got to Traverse City because I had so many contraptions uh, connected to my bicycle to to take me and a week's worth of groceries and two children and sometimes a pumpkin or some other large object. So I had, I, I was pretty much a circus train all by myself. Love that. I love that. I didn't know that about you. So I just got, you just got more cool in my book. I also don't, I gave my driver's license up and I don't normally tell people this, but well, sometimes I do, but I gave my driver's license up 14 years ago. Um, mostly because my wife is very patient with me. Um, <laughs> and, um, and again, it's, it's just a choice. I think we're all America, right? Freedom, choose what you want, you know, and, and, but I know it's, I'm better off for it really. And I think my family's better off for it. And I'd like to think my adopted hometown of Traverse city, Michigan is better off for it. Yeah. And I think one thing that I've noticed, uh, cause Norte has been going a number of years now in our town is that people are getting a little bit more used to seeing kids and groups of kids and you know, bike trains and all sorts of things out and about in the community. And that's critical because cars will, at least most of them I see, slow down a little bit. Um, when I was 11, I lived in England for a year, went to school there and I was stuck on an adult sized bike. I was not an adult sized person at that point. So I was a little on the wobbly side. Um, but all the children got to school by bicycle. And so I, I remember navigating the roundabouts going backwards on the left side of the street uh, at rush hour because that's everyone was commuting to work when I was commuting to school. But there were hundreds of children on bicycles at that time of day. So even though I was merging into really heavy traffic, and it's, just, it's a wonder that I've survived to this day um, <laughs> uh, with no helmets back then. So 
but it was because people were aware that school kids were going to school at that time of day and they knew to watch out for us because I wasn't the only wobbly kid. I was still doing all my hand signals and I was basically staying where I should, but still I was 11 and I was too small on a very large bike. And I did this every day, um, rain or shine, <laughs> going to school every day. So I think it's something about what you come to expect in a certain community too of, of what's normal and oh pedestrians are normal in my neighborhood or oh bicycles are normal I'll make room for them yeah. and I, I, I don't have anything to add to that but I 100% agree and there's tons of science and not only I mean just with the idea of visibility but crash rates for all modes go down when more people walk and bike because people slow down right and they're paying more attention um, but that's what I mean by visible invisible the best way to create more families on bikes is is for families to see families doing it right and that's how it is it's infectious and and somewhere you need to start um but that's we're fortunate like norte isn't off like in a gym or on some soccer field south of town you know we do it five days a week all year round and we and we're very fortunate and i, and I understand that and and very risky too don't get me wrong like what we do has some risk you know, in it, but, you know, we take it serious and we believe that, that the reward outweighs the risk and um, making it visible every single day, right? Not just on walk to school day once a year, but, this, you know, every single day, you know, we're making it visible. Wonderful. So, Ty, for people who are so inspired by this episode that they want to send you money to help Norte, or they want to see what Norte is up to, or they want to start a group like Norte in their community, how do they get in touch with Norte? Uh, well, we're always on the internet, and and, and, and I would just want to add that I, I, would, I would love to, people were so good with us when we first got it started about what to do and what not to do. You know, we're not experts in this, but we've learned a lot over the past seven years. So if anybody's out there listening, wondering exactly that, like where would I start? I'd be happy to share. So uh, we're on elgrupponorte.org. You can just Google Norte Traverse City. Uh, we're on all the social medias as well. And uh, I look forward to connecting with some listeners. All right, go orange. Thanks, Ty. Thanks, Heather. Yeah. This has been Renegade Rules. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh. Hey, we need your support to keep the podcasts flowing. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash support to learn how. One of the big things you can do is shop Amazon with the link we provide. You buy your cat food, you buy your kids' books, you buy whatever it is you buy on Amazon, you pay the regular price. We get a small percentage of it. Everybody wins. A lot of people are doing it. It really supports the shows, and we really appreciate it. Give it a try. Thanks. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.